HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. And this year's winding down 2017. This is our December 13th or 12th, 2017 show. And I got some great friends here from Ale Street News and Island to Island Brewery. Check us out on uh, Instagram at beer underscore session. So this is a special show. You know, we've been good friends with Tony Ford and Ale Street News a long time. Tony, welcome to the show, man. Hey, hey, Jimmy, great to be back. Great to be in the city this time of year. It's always fun. So, you, you know, there's so many, uh, you know, young people who are coming in and learning about craft beer, but not all of them know about print publications and, you know, the glory days. But how long has Ale Street News been pu- publishing and how long have you guys been like the premier, you know, beer newspaper in America? Uh, well, uh, we're in, well into our 26th year of beer publishing. So, uh, you know, print is becoming kind of a niche area, but uh, we still believe in it, and, uh, but we're not ignoring digital either. We do have a new website as of this year, and, uh, you know, trying to cater to all types of um, reader. I'll tell you, there's nothing like going into one of my favorite Good Brazil bars and finding an Ale Street news copy and picking it up and looking through the ads and the great articles. And I know you brought a couple of writers, so you brought everyone. Kat, introduce yourself. You're the New York City writer. Hello. Yes, I am. Uh, Kat Walensky. I write for L Street News, along with a few other publications. I'm a freelancer. And you've added a lot. So you, you came on, what, a couple of years ago? And you're covering all of New York City for L Street News. Yep. Nice. NYC Brew News every month. Yeah, we have sort of a mandate of, uh, when we have a writer that decides to move on and retire, we ask them to find the best person for us to succeed them. And so their rep is on the line, too. All right. <laughs> Welcome. And then, Janine, um, you're, you've got a lot going on. You do the art and graphics and the, the yes, cover, Ale Street and, News. Uh, 
producer of uh, that newspaper, uh, designer, and uh, I'm also the owner of the Mondial de la Bière Beer Festival, which is old in the Montreal, Canada, also in France, in Paris, and another one in Rio de Janeiro, in Brazil, and maybe a new baby in Sao Paulo in next May. That's great. And we're almost the same age because uh, Janine's 25th anniversary beer yes, fest uh, is Yes, uh, Montreal uh, Beer Festival uh, June, next June is turning 25, so that's true. But I'm a bit younger than Tony. <laughs> You're great. And, you know, just so you know, this is a special episode of Tony and Ale Street News. This is like their holiday party as well. And we also have got um, Warren Montero, who, again, for you youngins out there, uh, he's known as Beer Sensei. He's written for Ale Street News for how many years, Warren? Well, I'm going into my 13th year, and uh, so only half the life of the magazine. Damn. But you got to live the life of a beer tourist. You, you go to, what, what, what are do. some of the, the recent events you've uh, been to around the world? I just came back from Amsterdam, London, Sheffield. Uh, came back to U.S. on Tuesday and was up in Vermont on uh, Thursday night. So, yeah, I keep moving. And then just a few years ago, if you anybody know Wine Coop Brewing in, in Colorado, and actually the current governor of Colorado founded that brewery, uh, every year they do a, a, what is it, what's the award Yeah, it's you called won? the Beer Drinker of the beer Year. Beer Drinker of the Year. And what year did you win? <clears throat> I won in 2013. So he was the Beer Drinker of the Year uh, for America. And so. I knocked it out. They disappeared for two years after that. Yeah, it's a wild show. And then we've also, we'll just jump around the room. We've got um, a local brewers, uh, Island to Island Brewing. Danny and Kevin, you guys introduce yourselves, please. Hi, I'm Danny Oliver of Island to Island Brewery, and I think I got into the wrong business by being a brewer. I should have been a, a beer tourist. <laughs> a beer tourist. And Kevin? Uh, um, my name is Kevin Bradley of Island to Island Brewery. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. That's good. Okay. We got you on the air, that's all. You're done. You're late now. <laughs> but this is, a, this is a holiday party, so cheers to everybody. And, uh, cheers. Cheers. You know, cheers. Your news. So, Tony, you know... Um, what are some of your, the highlights for you of 2017? And of course, on this show, we don't really talk about macro trends and AB buying up breweries or even Sam Adams becoming the beer for the Red Sox. But, you know, there's a lot of trends going on with styles in beer. and Yeah, a lot of trends, styles. Obviously, you know, sours are really, really coming to the forefront. And uh, for me, a highlight was upping my tolerance level for sour beers in 2017. <laughs> After I went to the, uh, the Captain Lawrence um, Sour Fest, I think my, my, my uh, attitude changed and maybe my stomach too. I'll make a toast to that. The, uh, Captain Lawrence, it's in September every year. They've been hosting the last few years a really great sour beer fest. Has anyone else been to that? Have you been to it, Kat? So that's something to put on your list for next year. It is on my list. Uh, I have not made it to that festival, but I have been to the brewery a couple times. Really cool spot. Um, their sours are awesome. I find them in bottles around the city. It's good stuff. Hops cool. and roses. So I'm, I'm, I'm keeping a list of things to do for 2018. Yeah. One of them is to go to the Captain Lawrence uh, Sour Fest in September. Another thing that I want to do this year is I'm going to go out to Island to Island Brewery in Brooklyn. Yes, so indeed. you guys give us a quick overview. I know you were on last mm-hmm. year. Told a little bit about what you're doing, but tell us wh- where you're located and and some of the background because you're you're our future brewers tonight, <laughs> Danny and Kevin. We're located. Tell us about the beer in, too. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. uh, we're located in Flatbush. Uh, we are the only brewery in Flatbush, and a nice little history lesson: uh, Consumer Brewery was the only brewery in Flatbush um, pre-prohibition. They were also all electric, and we are the only brewer since prohibition uh, also all electric. So I, I, I think that's really unique about us. There aren't any competition around for us. So you come to Flatbush, 
you hang out in the park. Prospect Park is only three blocks away. And then you come by and you enjoy some beers with us. And our beers are extremely unique. I can't stress extremely enough. Um, what you guys are drinking right now is our sugarcane beer. The sugarcane is actually the water that we use to brew the beer. Uh, and that's important because the water and where beer comes from is what lends to the style of the beer. And we are really striving to create all American beers, both North American and South American beers, um, with our homes hailing from the Caribbean. So the sugarcane is both the water source and actually the sugar source. Wait, let's start over. Tell me how you do that. <laughs> is, is there grain? Is, are there There's hops? no grain, so it's actually a gluten-free beer. Wow. We take the sugar cane, which is actually a grass, like wheatgrass. We press that through a special machine, and out comes the liquid. Is that a crusher? It's kind of like a crusher, but That's it's, what they have it's a in Brazil. I mean, machine. this is very Brazilian. Yeah, yeah exactly. The, ca- the cachaça that they make. So if you've been to make, Brazil, yes. you, you've seen the machine that they put it through. So it's not the one that's hand-cranked. Mm-hmm. you got a little bit better technology now. You just push it through the machine. Mm-hmm. It completely squashes this really hard grass, and this delicious liquid comes out. And what we did was we allowed that liquid to ferment on its own for its natural yeast, and then we added yeast which was uh, Cezanne and Brett, to help keep those funky flavors going. We added hops that lent to the flavor of the grass, of the tropical notes and the sweet notes. And what we got, ended up with was preserved sugarcane grass water juice that Fermented. will get you nice and tipsy, as well yeah. as help with all kind of other issues that hops So what's the al- helps with. alcohol by volume? 8%. Whoa! Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, a big sure, beer. Sure. <laughs> How about expert Warren Montero's okay. Travel the World? Well, I'm enjoying this. haven't seen anything quite like it. But uh, what's happening now this last year to two years, I'm noticing it in London, England, here in the States, uh, everybody's up in their game in terms of ingredients, in terms of getting that idea in your head and then saying, wow, you think I can make that? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what we do because we want to teach people, like I was telling you earlier, Kat, that beer is not just this one thing. You know, in Germany, beer is it's it's strict, right, what the rules are. But here in America, beer can be so much more, and that allows us to reach people who have tasted the big guys and said, I don't like that, and bring them into the fold and say, you know what, this meets my, my favorite plot. Favor, flavor profile. This is something that I'm looking for. I want sweet. I want sour. I want bitter. I want tasty. I want something that can't be described other than what it is. Like, I don't know what to describe sugarcane beer as other yeah. than sugarcane. So, so you're saying also that, you know, in the Caribbean, there's other types of fermented beverages. Yes. That you're bringing to the forefront. Yes. Back this, home, we call them wines, but. Yeah, this is really awesome because I, when I was down in Rio for the last Mondial de la Beer Festival, I went to a market on Sunday with all the food producers, local, everything, and I was thirsty. And this little food stand had, they were offering the fresh sugarcane sure. juice, yeah. like freshly mm-hmm. just juiced. Mm-hmm. And it tastes like this, you know. Nice. But there's like a lot of fresh juices. Does it it needs to ferment to preserve? Is that part of it? Yes. So it doesn't keep well. It doesn't. Um, Uh, Any percentage, I would think. (laughs) (laughs) So they they keep once they've been preserved, and that's some process that um, people are scared of. They said that the juice has gone bad. We say it's just fermented. Yeah. And Warren, tell us more. You know, you you travel the world. You know, styles like this. You know, local ingredients. People's, you know, cultural traditions. Are there, yeah. are there other things like this that you've well, experienced? Like Tony has been saying with, with sours. Sours is, <clears throat> wow, the new, 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 really. 
Uh, we've had them in the States for a while, but I, I was in London at a place called Red Church. They're doing sour, barrel-aged beers that you couldn't imagine. Saison yeast, all sorts of strange <clears throat> combinations of stuff we already know. And then throwing in a few other things, maybe a little spruce, maybe a little this, a little that. And selling small batches of really unusual beers. And they're not doing it necessarily for competition. They're not doing it for territory. They're just doing it because they love it. It sounds like the the chef from Copenhagen, Noma, you know, in those old days, a couple, just a couple years ago, finding that special seaweed on, on the local surf, you know, and yeah. adding that to your ingredients. But, but Kevin, I want to hear from you, man. Uh, I know you make the beers, too, at Island to Island. Yes, I do. So do you uh, like this sugarcane beer? Is it the type yeah, of thing you like to was, drink? Um, that was something. I was afraid of it when you told me. <laughs> Because one of our one of our Cat Johnson, who's one of our assistant director, she's from Alabama in the South of America, and her family. This is good, Tony. He knows. Tony goes. Go, Tony. What? He's gonna play the flute while I talk. All right, go. So, um, Cat Johnson, whose family is in Alabama, are sugarcane farmers, and they make something different, more American, a sugarcane syrup, which uh, once she made into a cocktail for me. But it's a little sweeter. So I like this. It's like you've attenuated it. It's like you really make it dry. Yeah. Yeah. So, how, you know, how do you get that? I mean, it's, it's we had this talk last week. We had farmhouse brewers and honey. So you're starting with something sweet, but you end up with a dry product. Well, what we learned that this is nothing uh, new to us. Um, our grandparents were doing this. Actually, her grandmother and my grandmother used to make um, something called sorrel and yeah. just put it, just dig a hole in the ground, put it in there, leave it. And just but what ingredients? Uh, sorrel is a fruit, better known as hibiscus in the states. So it would be that with like uh, certain herbs and spices, anise, um, cinnamon, nutmeg, ginger, lime, things like that. And they'll just bottle it up, boil it, bottle it up, put it in the ground, leave it there for a month or two, and then it's wine. Um, we really get the cr- people say crazy beer ideas from our juices. So we really don't want to waste anything. So we have a juice that's called Purple Heart, which is uh, pineapple, apple. That's right. So you guys were also a juice bar first. Yeah. Yeah. So, we so you ha- are the most unique brewery in New York. <laughs> <laughs> and you know so, I, I believe it. Come on, <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> so we took that juice and actually um, we one day, we I guess we went on vacation or something, and um, it fermented. And it tasted a little bit like champagne. So we decided, hey, what happened if we hop it, um, add yeast, and let it sit? Right now, that's one of our top sellers in, in terms of ciders. Uh, and it's purple actually rain. a purple beer. Wow. And what, it, what, what are the ingredients in that? It's sorrel, apple, pineapple, cayenne pepper, simcombe hop. Nice. And Janine, so, you know, you, you've expanded the Mondial event from Montreal. It was in, in France, and, and now you're in Brazil. Um, are there any like uniquely like Brazilian drinks that that you're seeing? Yeah, I think of talking about style in Brazil, we can see that there is a lot of that sour influence going on, but also they have all these gypsy brewing, which is really special there. You know, most of the brewery, the way they start there, they landed in another brewery that is brewing for them their recipes, and this is like, but in a very small level. But then they develop recipes with a lot also with their local fruit, mm-hmm. local herbs, mm-hmm. and that's more and more around that. And even some bigger brewery 
uh, like Buddy Brown and Colorado, they go in that direction to develop these uh, beer with their local fruit. That's really, really... Uh, on right now. And Tony, you, know? I, you were in Brazil as well. You had some cool foot. You were riding a motorcycle. You had some adventures down there. <laughs> well, that was sort of a pose shot, actually. But we did uh, do a helicopter ride this year. Um, one of these uh, newly built facilities to cater to the uh, gypsy breweries. Um, <clears throat> had a friend who owns a helicopter, and they offered to fly us to the brewery 20 minutes up the coast from Rio. So we got to fly over Rio and, um, and visit the, the new brewery. So... I'm going to say happy holidays to Ale Street News Crew, and we're taking a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. The Hearst family has been raising cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of California's Central Coast for over 150 years. Piedra Blanca Rancho in San Simeon is the original Hearst Ranch, founded by George Hearst in 1865. George's son was the famous publisher, William Randolph Hearst. In addition to being known for building the iconic Hearst Castle, William was, like his father before him, an avid rancher. In his words, I would rather spend a month at the ranch than any place in the world. Thanks to one of the largest land conservation easements in California history, a joint effort with the California Rangeland Trust, the American Land Conservancy, and the state of California, the working landscape at Hearst Ranch will be preserved forever. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at HearstRanch.com. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. A big shout out to Hearst Ranch. That dude that you just heard on the advertisement, I forget his name, but I love that guy. That guy has a big belt buckle. He's played... Uh, That's Brian Kenny. Brian Kenny, guitar and sung on air before, big buddy of uh, Heritage Foods and Heritage Radio Network. Love that guy, Brian Kenny and Hearst Ranch, and that was a great ad. Thank you, David. So we're back. Beer Sessions Radio, heritageradionetwork.org. Hey, it's almost the holidays. We're, and we're celebrating with the Ale Street News Crew. Tony, congratulations, man. 26 years being the best uh, print publication beer magazine in America. Thank you very much, it's Jimmy. It's true. And I only Appreciate say that because it. it's, it's true. Uh, it's been uh, a long and winding road, as they say. Oh, little applause. Okay. Um, I was actually, I wrote about it in the editorial in the current edition. Um, I had a copy of a 1994 issue in my hands that I happened to start reading. And... Um, a lot of the, lot of the issues. So who back then? That was a great article. So some of your writers were like who? Michael Jackson. Yeah, yeah. We had Michael. He was uh, on an introduction from uh, Steve Hindy at Brooklyn Brewery. I, I kind of had the thought that well, we just let homebrewers, you know, write the articles and you know give him a chance. He's like, you need a good name. You need a good name for this paper. And I can introduce it to Michael Jackson. And Michael's he wanted to write for us because he looked upon us as a New York paper, and he wanted to write for a New York paper. And he wrote for for several years, you know, exclusive columns. And uh, handed around your paper. Yeah, we we had a pr pretty good stable of, of writers back then. Um, uh, Who else? Alan Ames, a beer historian, kind of an mm. odd character. He's no longer with us. Neither is Michael. Um, but he studied a lot. He traveled to South America. Um, 
And um, he had a, a, a philosophy that's probably too long to get into um, about um, ancient ales and, and herbal beers and the way the Catholic Church kind of took over the beer business in Europe. And, you know, but maybe we don't need to go no, there it's right great. now. So back when you guys, <laughs> but when you guys started out, really, it was like the, the beginning of craft brewing and... They, the industry really needed a magazine like yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. We realized that you know these beers were... I had moved from the West Coast to the East Coast, and the beers were coming into the stores from... New England had a few more breweries than this area, but Brooklyn was still going. They had their beers made up at FX Matt, which they still do. Um, but yeah, there, there was no educational vehicle, so we you know, we, we popped into the, into the gap and... Um, started talking about these beers, but man, you really had to seek out the beers in those days. It wasn't like walk down to the corner oh, yeah. bar and there's going to be craft beer on tap. That was not the case. You know. mm-hmm. yeah. Definitely, definitely. I must say, you know, when you're thinking about it, when I started the beer festival in Montreal in 1994, there was about 10 breweries in Quebec province. Oh, wow. Now we are nearly 200 breweries. Oh, wow. it's, 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 you know, so that was starting something in the desert. You know, really, like, when are we going to see something, you know, coming on and that? So people are t- asking me sometimes, like, oh, what about craft when you start the beer fest? What about craft? Well, what about beer? <laughs> Just beer. Uh, no, back then, uh, we used to have a bodega on the corner of 2nd Avenue and 10th Street. And we get all these wonderful worldwide beers New York City, out of the East window Village. where they had been exposed to sunlight, you name it. <laughs> and that was our introduction to the world of beer. The old 400 beer deli. And Janina, how did you start the Beer Fest? What, what got you inspired by that? Well, you know, basically uh, I was working into creation and event and communication. And I met some guys that went to me to do a survey for them and say, oh, what do you think? Could we start a beer fest? Would it be a good idea? We made that survey, you know, and I said, yeah, it should be. They said, well, if you say so, would you mind to jump in the business with us? And I said, yes, yeah, sure. You do all and the work. You do the graphics, Well, you know, and yes, absolutely. And I also had the power to buy the media advertising thing because of my firm. But, you know, the main thing is that I lost my partner very fast <laughs> because there was a lot of money to invest each time to do it, to make it happen, you know. And I had that business that provided me the revenue to invest in the beer fest, which I did all my life, invest in the beer fest. But I love it. <laughs> and how did you go? You went from, you know, Montreal... I should. The other question is how many, you know, the top breweries in Quebec. But we know that due to CL and our friends. But yes, you know, you went from Quebec, then next what in France? In France, yes. And how did you make that connection? Well, you know, that connection was made in 1996 with the beer festival called uh, Eurobeer in France. And that was more like a um, trade festival. And at the time, that was quite big. But what changed in time is that they survive. They disappear because the same reason as many things happen, like, you know, the business, like there is a lot of brewery in France. There was a lot of them. And then all the big one bought a small one. And then all the small one disappeared. And then the fest disappeared because there was not enough differentiation in the brewery. But then they were my partner at the time in the Mondial in 1996, two years after. So we made a joint venture, Montreal and Strasbourg Beer Festival. They disappeared, and then they approached me to say, well, why not? We'd like to start a new beer fest. Would you be able to do this with us? I did. That's how it started, like a friendship Yeah. Thing. And then what about Brazil? I mean, I know Brazil is a booming market. I have so many friends, and my friend uh, Pedro Alberti has a beer bar in Rio. You know him, don't you? Yeah, sure, absolutely. What's, the, what's well, this place called? 
Oh, so I can't It's like remember beer the name. and burgers. Be- no, it's uh oh, can Pe- you remember? Pedro? Pedro, yes. Pedro. Yeah, no, anyway. It's like Castagna it's a, or something. No, but it's a lovely place, absolutely. Yeah. And it's like the main thing I should say about Brazil Pedro is Party. that they, they are uh, unique because they're really proud and love the beer they do, okay? So, and they are faster than whatever we think, you know? We started in Canada and U.S., you know, years ago, but they're exponential. It's exponential what they are leaving there, you know? In yeah. five years, the fest went to 50 brewers to maybe 150. Wow. They're going to get bigger to Montreal. And you know what I noticed about guys like like Pedro Alperti in, in, in Rio is that he comes to New York, he comes to places in America, and is always checking out the yes. new beer bars, the Curious, new breweries. Curious, intelligent oh, people. They love yeah. American beer. And it's also they are it. on the new sh- new styles, like you wouldn't believe. I mean, this year, it was sales last year. In fact, you know, the New England IPA, this one brewery, uh, Hocus Pocus, they actually brought it. Everyone's using lactose now, right? So, for the, for the hazy, yeah, haziness. They actually bought a milkshake machine and they put like vanilla ice cream into the beer at the festival. Wow. <laughs> Did you like it, Tony? It was really good. A little Drink sweet. It is, is what do you think about that, Warren? That yeah. uh, I've just come back from New England and I actually, uh, Vermont, I am a big fan of New England IPA, which. And everybody got, is. Uh, well, everybody except Garrett Oliver. He went. Uh, Oliver. No one needs to knock it. <laughs> no, no, no. Garrett, Garrett went live in London saying it's a fad, it will disappear. Like black IPAs, which. Which is true. <laughs> uh, so, so he, yeah, if anyone's a historian of beer, it's Garrett Oliver. And but in Vermont, they are real, and I'm here to tell you. Great. Oh. Okay. Yeah, they're okay. Well, they keep I'm, going, Warren. Come I'm on. Oh, okay. Well, time, all right. Uh, they got to be eight percent. I'll say that also. You love them. <laughs> so, which, which are a couple of your favorite Vermont IPAs? Ah, uh, well, uh, the Alchemist Heady Topper is oh, very yeah. good. Uh, Susan from Hill Farmstead is probably my favorite. Wow. Fo- focal oh. banger. And there are about a dozen others. Yeah, focal bangers right in there. What also about you, Alchemist. Kat? You know, you, you taste. Oh, you get to try all the New York City breweries. Yeah. Is uh, what are some of the standouts for you this year? Like, in New York. In New York, IPAs. I mean, KCBC is doing great IPAs. They actually have a a very um, gracious way of giving us everything from pilsners to hazy IPAs to sours. Um, they do some funky stuff. I brought one here, actually. Well, let's, let's pop full that. Contact. Okay. Yeah, let's pop that. And then quickly, uh, Danny, you poured us a second beer from Island to Island. What is it? That's the Mighty Sparrow IPA. Woo. Mighty Sparrow is a very birds famous. In there? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a singer. He's a That's very famous Calypsonian no. <laughs> um, singer in, from Trinidad. And so we use Calypso hops, and we use the uh, the sorrel fruit in it as well. What are Calypso hops? Uh, it's a hops like any other. Uh, the hops itself is something that lends itself to being more on the balanced side, more on the fruity tropical side, and so that really um, works well with the Caribbean palate that doesn't prefer bitter. So what we do in the Caribbean is we take bitter beers and add sweet juice to it or soda. So what we focus on our IPAs is still adding a little bit of sweetness to our IPA. So we don't go for the extreme bitter end. Um, it is still an IPA by all legal terms of what IPA is. Um, but you're not going to get the headache that people complain about with IPAs. Might be illegal IPA. <laughs> <laughs> and Kevin, you had a hand in making this. So tell us about this beer a little more. Uh, so, yeah, like she was saying. Keep going, um, Tony. I like that. Um, Sparrow is like uh, a legend back home in Trinidad. Like... 
Like my grandmother said, that's her husband if, you know, my grandfather passed away. So uh, this beer is basically uh, Turo, a little bit of honey, malt, uh, Munich. Of course, she said the sorrel, a little bit of honey. And, you know, I always try to have fun with the beers that I'm creating. I always try to make it a little sweet because, like I said, uh, most people from the island like sweet beers. So they would take Guinness and, like, add milk and sugar to it, things like that. So we always try to have fun and make it, you know, platinum. And then in terms of Brooklyn, I want to ask you guys, so um, where you are in Brooklyn, is that more? Is there a lot of Caribbean influence in that neighborhood? Yeah, it actually just got named uh, Little Caribbean, like Little Italy and Little China, um, Chinatown. We just got named Little Caribbean there in Flatbush. So it's very heavy Caribbean influence. Uh, every year we on Labor Day, we have the Labor Day Parade which is the big West Indian Day parade where people, you know, put on feathers and get naked and celebrate wow. who, what we are. Yeah, like naked. Carnival. Yeah. Tony, yeah. bring yeah. the carnival. Yeah. Tony, keep playing the flute. We love this guy. Tony can come with his flute. He'll be naked with feathers. So it's... But <laughs> we got the horns. Now for me, because I, I, I've hardly ever been to that other side of Prospect Park, tell our listeners, they're coming to New York, what train should I take and what street should I check out? You take the Q train to Parkside, the 2-5 to Winthrop. And you walk down uh, Parkside to us. And when you come, check out the museum, check out the gardens, check out the park, and then end your day at the brewery with us. Love that. And you never need to leave the neighborhood after that. Yeah. You know, Warren, for you, like, you know, you've been to London and everything. Is there a comparable, like, neighborhood in London, Caribbean, or anything like that? Well, London, we Are you too have, busy uh, with the snobby beer bars? <laughs> Notting <laughs> Hill. Notting Hill Carnival, No, man. no. We've got, we got something called the... Uh, Ah, what is it? Ah, it's a millennial. It's a mile underneath all of these railway arches coming out of King's Cross. The Bermondsey Mile, where you've got about eight breweries and one rather wonderful beer bar tasting room. And uh, it frees your tail off going there in the morning. They're only open Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. But wonderful uh, rainbow of tastes. And to, for you, Tony, Bermondsey Mile. Highly remarkable. Yeah. Is there a place in, in London that's a strong Caribbean influence? Yeah, I'm well, trying to get some, some culture, yeah. the, uh, culture Not, Notting Hill Carnival, yeah, Notting which, Hill, is, yeah. which is very famous for wild uh, celebrations, uh, very heavy Caribbean influence, because obviously it's London is full of uh, Caribbean. You know, the British Empire, remember, right? They, you know, like, yes. uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they lost I didn't say that proudly. Uh, <laughs> yes, I didn't say that proudly. But That um, is also the basis of a lot of Mar- Mighty Sparrow's uh, songs. I, is, oh, uh, really? Okay. The and and that's why they play, that's why they play cricket in the West Indies? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, what's yeah. cricket now? Cat, <laughs> tell me what cricket is. Come on. Now. A sport. <laughs> <laughs> some might argue with that. Like it's like you don't have enough time. You sit around for a few days and watch something. But the West Indian cricket players are the most fun. They they they, they they're rowdy and yeah, they, they, they're dancing in the stands. Yep. It's very un British, but it's great. I'll tell you this, cheers to everybody. This is a great uh, pre holiday party. It's like the old and new Ale Street News and Island to Island and I think we'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Woo! Hey, like what you hear? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. With fresh programming every week, we've got something for everyone. Trying to start your own food business? 
Concerned about where your food comes from? Looking for the best wine or beer to bring to a party? Find our shows on iTunes or Stitcher, or head to heritageradionetwork.org to listen live and subscribe to our newsletter. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey guys, it's almost the end of 2017. We've had eight years, over 400 episodes, and a big shout out to all our members. So check us out, heritageradionetwork.org. Look under membership. If you're not a member, you should join. There's a lot of benefits. We just had a great gala last week at the Brooklyn Botanical Garden. If you're in New York, you should join. If you're not, I think you get like tote bags and stuff. But we don't give a big sales pitch, but I will say this. Heritage Radio Network is the great food and drink radio network. So welcome back to the show, guys. Woo! All right. Yeah. So uh, Warren Montero Beer Sensei had a, had a question for Danny from Island to Island. Yeah, Danny, a little question. Just want to ask, for the sake of the home brewers out there, how you use the sorrel in creating your beer. So um, we actually make the sorrel from scratch. We don't use a syrup or anything like that. Um, we, we take the fruit. Um, how I got started in the beer world and brewing was I sat on the porch with my aunt and cousins and we were cutting sorrel all night and they didn't tell me about the prickles that are in the plant that get under your finger. Um, and she, she turned it into a juice, added some yeast and put it in the fridge and it was magic. And um, while unfortunately we, and fortunately, because I don't want the prickles in my finger, we're not able to um, pick the fresh plant because it yeah. doesn't grow here, it needs temperate conditions, we get the dry leaves of the, of the fruit. And um, then we steep that. And we use it in very different ways. Some so it's like almost think, like a tea. It, some people call it a tea. Um, it's kind of a misnomer in that it isn't a tea. Some people use it, though, so, so like two minutes. Yeah. We use a lot of it. And then we, we really boil it. Like, if we don't boil it enough, infusion or? It's, it's boiled, it's cooked. Boiled. Yeah, and it's if, it, if we don't do it enough, our parents <laughs> will actually get on us. Like, our parents yeah. will come to the brewery and they're like... No, it's not enough sorrel. Wait, Did you cute. boil it long enough? So your parents live in Brooklyn too? Um, my parents live in Queens and Staten Island. His mom lives close by the brewery. So they come by and check on you guys. They come by and they check uh, on us. Yep. They make sure that we make the tamarind right. They make sure that we make the sorrel yep. right. Or we're going to hear it from them when we do the, the, so the sour really, sop you're really beer. inspired by traditions. Yeah, inspired. You can say that if it... You know, inspiration comes with a beacon, sure. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, they check on us and they make sure that we're doing it right because there's, you know, what, uh, you know, here in the States, what people interpret and then they're the way things are done. And if we don't do it the way things are done, we hear from them about it. Janine, she wants to weigh in because she's like the life goddess here. No, but I mean, I, I, love, I love the fact that you're so real with what you're doing. And that's the one thing I can say, traveling around the world and seeing the brewers trying to do their thing. The one thing the most passionate brewer do is believe in the ingredients they do and do it the right way and treat it the right way. Yes. And that's always been true. And it's the same thing for judicial people, like using the hibiscus. Love yes. those guys. You know, and oh, all yeah. these uh, And they put French, they French words on the label. We, but yes. <laughs> Yeah. Of course. I mean, that's that's really, normal. That's really the difference between people that are getting into it as a business or the people that just have the passion. And that's the other thing in 2017, Jimmy, I thought of, is that, um, you know, it's the drink local. I mean, the tasting rooms, the local breweries, they're still popping up everywhere. And they're really, you know, um, making an impact. I mean, everyone's got their little favorite place now. and uh, or, or you just go touring on a Saturday or Sunday and hit a few. It's great. Yeah. You know, the one thing that we don't want to do is be a fad. 
you know, where that's like everybody else. Everybody has a, a DDH. You know, we don't want to be that fad that you're just on the, yeah, the fad trail. Hop, we yeah. want to be that brewery that you go to and you have to just stop and sit down and be like, what the hell am I drinking right now? Like, this is so different. We just put a tamarind plouquet on and people are just like, what is plouquet? Tell me about this. School me on it. And I'm like, there's a brewery tour for that. They're like, no, you're going to tell me now. So. <laughs> and Warren, what, what do you describe that? It's like, is it uniqueness? I mean, what's a term for, I think what people are looking for now and going into 2018? Uh, Authenticity? Is that the word? Yeah, I think that's a good word, yeah. Authentic? I, like I would call it art. Uh, <laughs> really, uniqueness, of course. But art is unique. Art is personal. It's an expression of the brewer that somehow translates to the person who's drinking it. That connection. Yeah. Beautiful. And Kat, is, is this next beer, did you bring this in? I did. This is KCBC Full Contact. Um, there's a lot going on in this beer. It starts off as an amber sour. There's oats in here. There's rye. It's aged in wine barrels. And then in this particular version, they've added raspberries. Wow. Um, it's delicious. It is delicious. <laughs> and, you know, like we're saying about sour beers, this, yeah. this can meet your threshold, right? It's not going to be... Yes, you know, palatable. Oh, it's tart, but not like burning my esophagus. Yeah, especially uh, the way the raspberry comes through. It just kind of hangs there saying, hi. <laughs> Very poetic. Kevin, what do you think of this, the balance? and I, I, I love it. I like the guys over at KCBC. They're like the nicest guys ever like they take my grain order once in a while so i have nothing bad to say about them so like they'll order for you and then you can pick it up or? yep that's nice yep but that's the like beer? community awesome wow cheers to everybody tony yeah. um you know another thing yeah. about yeah. illustrated news is when the the new beer books come out you guys always review them i really like that also in this issue I've been reading um, Gentali's Session Beer, which is published by the Brewers Association. Yes. Have you read it? I, you know, I reviewed it, which means I didn't read it all. I just kind of <laughs> did enough to review it. So. <laughs> well, I think I'm going to give homage to Gentali, who brewed in Utah. But well, I could tell it was very well written. I said that they picked the right pe- they picked the right people to write the right books. Over at, it's a uh, nice book, and the reason you talk about Session Beer is beers that you want to sit around and drink. And have uh, you know conversation and friendship. So this is that's why we call it Beer Sessions Radio. But I really I would check it out. It's Brewers Association publishes it. Jen Talley is the author. Yeah. Session Beer is is the book. And uh, to me that yeah. and uh, Miracle kind of fits with Beer Sessions too. Yeah. Right? And Miracle Brew by Pete Brown. Those are my two that is beer books of the year. That one so. I want to go back. But that doesn't mean I don't have to read the books, Tony. <laughs> well, you know, it's sort of like speed thumbing or something like oh. that, you know. But no, while, I, while I'm here, uh, since we got Warren and Kat, I might as well say I actually first met Warren um, at your erstwhile partner's uh, bar, DBA, um, way back in the Great 90s. Theater. Way R. back R. in the Love 90s. That guy. Way and uh, back. I was like, you know, I was with this guy, Willie Lube, and he said, hey, talk to this guy. He'll buy us a beer. And it was Warren, and, and he bought us, like, we shared a West Mall, I think, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. A long time before <laughs> we became friends right. and stuff. And then Kat, I met when uh, we had a contest a couple of years ago where um, it was, like, you had to describe when you first got into craft beer, what year, what, what, what day it was. And um, we, we, it was a trip to the uh, VIP, a trip to the Mondial de la Beer in Montreal was the was prize. And they had Hotel a panel and, tr- and transit. They had a panel of judges, and Kat didn't win yes. because um, <laughs> the judges didn't pick her, and maybe she was a bit too verbose. But I really like what she what she uh, what she wrote, so I was very happy that she came up over there. I wanted news. spirit. 
Yeah, exactly. You reach out yeah. to me personally. I'm always verbose. Yeah, you want to script. <laughs> And yeah, you're also at, at Beer Affair. You're the Instagrammer. That's right. That is my cyber persona. A lifelong affair, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're having fun with this, Tony, 26 years later? Sorry, I have a what? Having fun with this. Tony. Oh, yeah. I, how can you not, you know? We had a, so. a couple of years ago, we had a great show with uh, Ken Gross from Sierra Nevada. That was really great. And that was one shows where your knowledge came through where you had actually been in that part of California Way back when Sierra Nevada That's was right. starting. Yeah, we did that off-site, right? We did a yeah. remote. Yeah, that was cool. But tell us about those early years. We might as well. <laughs> well, uh, I was a wayward uh, Englishman that came to the U.S. and hitchhiked around the U.S. in the 70s. And then um, met a bunch of crazy people, like California stuff. And ended up going back to England. But then I was like, why did I come back to England? So I made it back five years later, settled in California. And... Um, in the meantime, I'd become a home brewer and a follower of Camera, the campaign for real ale. And when I came back, the first, you know, roots of craft brewing, it was called microbrewing, were, were going into the ground. Yeah, microbrewing and, was the um, And Sierra. I moved up to uh, Eureka, California, um, which is directly across from Chico, where Sierra Nevada is. It's on the coast. And uh, there was a pretty good home brewing community there, so I kind of got involved with the beer and then when Sierra Nevada Pale Ale came out it was like wow this beer's got flavor yeah finally no we forget it's, it's been a short ride but um, you know everyone loves who doesn't love craft beer so <laughs> cheers everybody it's almost Christmas time and uh, Tony Cat, you guys brought another beer let's pop that and Janine so Mondial you guys are down in Brazil tell me more about beer in Brazil you're in Rio Yes, I say, like now in Rio, there is a, you know, when I started the fest five years ago, there was maybe just a few breweries in Rio, and now they are all pumping. But as I said earlier, the gypsy beer, uh, this gypsy brewery, this is what they are. This is their way to start their brewery, and then they buy their facility and open their own facility. But first, and it's very well appreciated and recommended, even now there is brewery that just are opening uh, to brew beer for gypsy. They don't even brew for themselves, but they brew with the brewer, and uh, they so they uh, offer them the facility and the tank and all and all the space to do it. And that's give the chance to the people to be creative yeah. and try and try and fail. And when you can fail and redo something good, then you get better. You know, but I mean, if you'd have no chance to fail, so small batch mean chance to fail, and chance to fail mean you many can pour a batch away good, if you need, or m- many good, talented people can go there, have their own idea and recipes. And you know what? Brew pubs, brew pubs are a great place to be. I don't know what you have that concept in the States. Hey, you do, eh? Yeah. These guys, so, island to island, yeah. So that's brew pub is the best thing you can have yeah. because you don't bottle, you don't take your beer out, you have fresh beer and different brew. Mm-hmm. Each time you have a new brew and that's more than interesting. You know yeah. what I'm talking exactly. about, eh? Yeah. People and ask us all the time, they're like, well, if the beer is always changing, what can we, we expect in about two weeks? And we're like, you got to come great back thing. and see. Yeah, great things. Yeah. And to the point of failure, like failure is really, you know, is up to someone's interpretation. It, it, we've had beers that, you know, I would say are horrible, and a customer will come and buy it out within a week. Like, we had one beer that just sold I bet out in you a have week their that email. we weren't. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't yeah, we got a special beer for you. <laughs> 
and then we have beers that we think are wonderful, amazing, fully on concept. Play the flute. And they like take it. a while to go. You know, it's failure is really just like put it out there and see what the customer says and let the numbers do the talking. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Sounds right. Sounds right. And, and then these uh, Gypsy Brewery, you know, they do like this. They try, they try, they they offer that in their place, and then if people say, "Oh, you know what? That's really not." appreciate yeah. then they will even sometimes we try to mix it mm. yeah. that's crazy you know? we haven't done that yet we haven't mixed any beers here Make warren's sure got a question yeah. Hold on, a little question just throw it out there generally how do you think our new tiny breweries over the last two years have been doing in new york city that depends on who's funding the tiny breweries. <laughs> there are some that are doing well because they keep get that you know infusion of cash well that's cash. actually let me jump in <laughs> any favorites but Let's just take, let's stop on that. Let's make a note. There is an illusion for some people. There's some people with capital, and they may be able to start with losing money, but down the road they're they're funded enough. There's others that have to start need to make money from day one. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. There are, there are breweries that open, and they can do all the beer festivals. They can sign up for all the guilds, and you know they can give away free beer to every person who asks them, and they'll get out there and they'll get known because they're able to do that. And then there are those of us who, who, unfortunately, we can't. We have to sell everything we make because our children are depending on it. Okay. Um, yeah, I've got to say I really applaud that because uh, uh, you can't make a beer with money. You have to do it with love. And uh, the trick with love is, wow, you got to get word of mouth. Uh, do you do much on social media about your new brewery? Yeah, we do a lot of social media. We do a lot of email. We do um, getting, you know, pay, pounding the pavement, getting the word out. But it's mainly social media. It's you know the free media where we're able to speak with our voice. And I found out about Island Island on social media. Yay! So shout out. Which which, which social media? Give us more. I think I had heard about it even on Beer Sessions Radio. You've been on the show. before, She was on right? last year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was some, a combination of that, and I looked you up online. Um, found you on Twitter, on Facebook. I saw some events you were doing that you advertise on Facebook. Your uh, some of the event marketing was funny to me. Um, one of the flyers said something like, "We're not hiding hiding behind hops like everyone else," and I'm like, "Yeah, girl." <laughs> That's great. Let's do this. So uh, next beer, what are we drinking? Quickly, this is who's the Game of Thrones oh, fans here? I'm not particularly, but this is from Oma no. Gang. They just recently celebrated their 20th like anniversary, the but this is uh, one of their um, uh, sixth the, anniversary, I think, of Game of Thrones. Of Game of Thrones, yes, <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Um, so no, I just a, got a new one today, white on white. It's actually pretty good. Yes, this is the red the, ale. This is the red ale. The f- Something throne of fire is that what it is? I think it is. Yes, uh, you know somebody that's like really fire and blood. Fire and fire blood. And yeah, blood. Excuse me, I oh, forget the throne. It's got the. Uh, <laughs> it does have some ancho chilies in here. It's a red ale. Oh, nice. um, you know, it's rather nice. Quite subtle. I think Omegang, you know, makes very good beer. You know, it's uh, hair so, hair. So it's cheers to them. Love Omegang. Right. And then yeah. Tony, what anything for 2018? Anything you? Trend you can predict is that kind of end of year show? Yeah, uh, you know, Brazil. We're running a tour. We're trying to run a tour down to uh, Rio uh, for 2018 to the Mondial de la Beer. And if people want to read about the uh, festival this year and the helicopter trip, it is on our website at alestreetnews.com. You can go there. Um, So that's it. Otherwise, 2018 is about Brazil. Brazil and social media for Ale Street News. Great. And Janine? I think uh, you know Brazil. 2018 in Brazil. Yeah, give us the dates, though. <laughs> They'll know oh, that. September. September. Kevin, 2018, what's it for you? Uh, bottling. 
bottling. And inning bottling. Yeah. So you're gonna get. You don't have that currently. No. No. That's huge. Yes. It and is. what's it gonna take for you guys to do that? Uh, Approximately the kind of money you need. You need. Uh, money we need about fifteen uh, grand. Uh, Twenty. Twenty. So twenty, 20 grand, and then you can yeah. bottle and can in the same. Yeah. Well, I wanna. I wanna do cans. It's uh, cheaper, and it lasts longer. So twenty grand to get a bottle, a uh, canning program running. Yeah. So you want to have a canning line? Are you not? Are you not using the the traveling canning companies? No, uh, we don't brew I, enough I, for I, them. Yeah, you got to do twenty six barrels for them. Wow, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Either. I thought it was so easy. Just call them up and nope. get nope. in the schedule. Yep. Yeah. Nope. Wow, that's great news. I want to hear more about that. And you guys should be posting that on social media. <laughs> you to get and then everyone line. will come looking for it and they'll be like, where is it? And How about cans and they're cool? Someone posted today about in Copenhagen, some bar that had, you know, they said, oh, beers in plastic bags. Well, yeah, it's like wines in bag in a box and all that. We used to have kegs that were like, you know, in cardboard with a, a, a you know, plastic ball and inside was a bag. Wow. Well, use, that's not that crazy. But you guys can Those are coming back. Party you pigs. Yep, party pig. No, no. So no, cans. No. And then, Kat, what about you? What's for 2018? Writing and traveling, trying to do more of both. But what's your vi- prediction for the the beer world or something? My prediction: Caribbean beers, like <laughs> beer <Yeah>. week this <laughs> year. A trip you like? Loyalty. How about this? Where would you like to go? Which trip or festival would you like to be sent to, fully paid in 2018? <laughs> nice. You can pick Whoa. it. Paris. Monday out Paris. <laughs> nice. That's, uh, that's okay, that might be able to happen. <laughs> All right, and then uh, Warren. What's your, your prediction for 2018? Well, Trend. we're on shaky ground, but I would like to see small brewers consolidate just where they are. Forget about going countrywide. Stick to your territory so and the people will love you. Yeah, because, uh, and hope somebody wants to buy you, maybe. I don't know. Wow, that's interesting. But, uh, and my hope for 2018 is just to keep talking to people like you guys. <laughs> and thank you guys. As always, you guys made this show. And uh, I learned a lot, and hopefully the listeners do too. Big shout-out to our crew, uh, Justin Kennedy, and uh, producer, David Tattish, our engineer. And uh, coming up, 2018, look forward to a lot of things. Keep up with us, and we'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. All right. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.